Welcome to a special episode of And Now for Something Completely Machinima, the podcast about machinima, virtual production, and related technologies. So uh, almost all of us that are involved with this show, all of us really, have been involved with this art form, observing it, commenting on it, making it for a long time, like a couple decades, I think it is now. So, And over the course of those years, we have come across a number of just startlingly good uh, pieces of work. And this is going to be, this is going back 15 years now, uh, in 2007, 2008 or so. Uh, basically, Ricky and uh, some fellow friends in the Machinima community uh, came up with an idea of, you know, so you figure 2007, 2008, this is the early days of YouTube. <clears throat> YouTube wasn't the, let's say, top-tier platform that it is now. It We all kind of knew it was going to be eventually, but it was clunky. There were upload limits, and, and in order to keep under those limits, you had to upload at very low quality. And then the commenting community on YouTube was really, really Wild West. And it just... And then, of course, they're trying to figure out how to make money. So there's ads and all these things that just made the viewing experience unpleasant. And it was Ricky who first stepped forward and said, you know, we, we need a better solution. This content, th these these good, good films deserve a better way to view them than that. That's really how this all started. So they came up with a site called Machinaplex. Now, you know, of course, again, it's been 15 years ago. Um, several years worth of films were accrued with the Machinaplex collection, and then ultimately it just wasn't wasn't financially feasible to keep that running. Um, interest in Machinima kind of had a you know a, a drought period and it waned. See, we see kind of the cusp of a revival of it now. So, when we shut down that website, uh, by the time that it was time to close that down, I'd been involved with it as well with my podcast called The Overcast. We had interviewed filmmakers and done premieres for their films and Second Life and things like that. So it was time to take the website down, and we had this archive of all those films. They were relatively low resolution by today's standards, but they were good renders. So I just archived them away, and they've been sitting in you know, file storage for these, these many years. So this year, 2023, we have taken it upon ourselves a project to bring those, you know, dust off that box and pull up those virtual VHS tapes of those classics and bring them back to life. So the process that I've undertaken here is taking all those original renders, AI upscaling them to 1080p, and then putting them onto Vimeo for uh, kind of long-term preservation. So we have created a, a, a showcase on Vimeo which uh, there will be a URL in the description. I'm not going to read it because it's not a particularly pretty URL or easy to remember. <laughs> but uh, uh, it'll either be, if it's not on screen right now, it'll be in the description of this video. But this showcase has about right around 30 films from that era. And these stretch from the very, very early days of Machinima when they weren't even called that. It was Quake movies. So 1997. 96 even, I think, is the earliest film. Mm -hmm. All the way up through about 2008. Um, these are, uh, you know, 
I think widely considered or were at the time widely considered to be the creme de la creme. Uh, really, really good stuff. And uh, so we're basically wanting to put those out there to remind people. I think sometimes when people watch this show and they hear us uh, giving criticism to current machinima, a question that might come to their mind is, well, what are you even comparing this to? You know, if you go out on YouTube, this is better than most of the stuff that people are just throwing together on YouTube. Yeah, but we've seen this stuff. And these these pieces of a variety of types, everything from comedy to action to, to drama, there's a love story. There's some that are just art for art's sake. There's some that are poetic. There's some that are adaptations of old stories from literature. Beautiful, beautiful stuff. Um, this is what we compare it to. In our memories, we've seen this stuff when really Machinima was at its first peak, in my opinion. Um, and these films, a lot of them really, really hold up well even today. Uh, like you'd be hard pressed to create something as beautiful as some of these are, even with all the improvements that have been in game engines and 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 the tools that are now readily at our disposal that were not so at our disposal back when these were made. Um, so what we're going to do in this episode is just we're going to quickly mention uh, we've each picked one of those 30 films as kind of our first pick of here's one that I want to call some attention to. We'd encourage you to watch all of them when you get a chance. We think you'll like them all. But these are the four that uh, we picked. We may do this again and and uh, maybe a few more times to call some more attention to these films. So um, I've been blabbing a lot here, but I'm going to go ahead and kick it off. Um, the film that I'm picking is one of the earliest uh, Machinima films ever done. This was made in Quake 1. It's called Blobalicious. And it is a kind of slightly absurdist comedy anthology of sorts. Um, I, I don't know if I'm using the proper term for it, but it's 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 not narrative driven. That's for sure. It's not just one story. It's it's segments of stories and and kind of visual themes that get revisited. Uh, most of which is intended to have a, uh, a let's say a gamer a gamer's type of comedy in mind. It's not sophisticated humor for the most part. Um, it's it's a lot of physical comedy. Um, anyway, when I saw this film, it would have been in 1996 or 1997. Uh, I was just absolutely enthralled and inspired. Uh, I don't think I would have gotten into making Machinima were it not for having seen this, because it mixed this element of silly and and funny and uh, absurdity that is at the heart of a lot of where my sense of humor really thrives. So um, that's that's my pick is is Blobalicious. It's made by it was made by two guys that I don't know very much about. They went by the names of Avatar and Wendigo. And Tracy was was that team were they mentioned in they the, were. the Machinima book that you wrote? Okay, yeah. So if you haven't if you haven't seen uh, um, Tracy's uh, Machinima book, check it out. It is on Amazon. We've got a link on our website, and we'll make sure to include it here as well. But the, the, these guys are from 
machinima history you know and I, they didn't really they didn't start a channel or make a whole bunch of films or anything like that it was it was they were active for a short period i i suspect when they were college students but i'm not sure and then they've moved on with their lives but this film has just stood the test of time for me personally uh and i think for a lot of people who see it, it it's it's uh it's just got a very old school original machinima type of quality to it and uh yeah so that's my pick Bobalicious. you know it's a real treat to watch these films again film and thank you so much for um for remastering them because yes it, it, thank it's, you it's yeah, made them you. really really fresh again and you know what this particular one uh just watching this again which by the way the when digo and avatar that's um th these are characters called brian hess and mackie mccandish and it was originally released in in 1997 okay. so it goes goes back a long way but when i looked at this again having not seen this for years and years and years you know what it's got lots of 90s references in it of yoga and workouts and braveheart and suits <laughs> for work and yeah discos and politically incorrect references to fatness <clears throat> i loved it it's great <laughs> yeah. um, so it's a really good pick thank you i want to emphasize uh, and reiterate phil's uh comment about uh, the film being inspiring that was one thing with the community of machinima the early community was that brought everybody together is that they created films that inspired them to re either react to the film or create their own film. Every single one of these films would, I think you can consider to be an inspiration. And that leads me to my choice for a film, which is Bot by Digital Yoke Productions. Now, I could pick any one of these 30 films and talk about it as a favorite, but I wanted to choose, I wanted to recommend Bot because it was a film that came and went very quickly. In fact, I would venture to say that 99% of the people listening don't even remember this film. And the fellow that made it, and God, even with research, I can't remember the name of the person who made the film. It was a guy, and I corresponded with him. He was a game uh, developer and was involved in the game industry. And he made, as far as I know, this only single film. And I wanted people to know about it and to watch it. Now, uh, the quality of the film when it was initially released was fantastic. But the copies that we've had down through the ages, even with Phil's um, AI upscaling, still has a little bit of an issue. So try to imagine it when you watch the film of it being a bit higher quality. But it's essentially, mm -hmm. it's a kind of science fiction story centered around robots and sentience and you there's almost a orwell's 1984 feeling to it in which you have this overlord controlling these fighting robots and they're all in a in a manufactured line and until one day one of the robots stops and turns around to look at where they've come from and this uh, starts a whole story of this robot's uh, sad and funny journey through being aware of what's going on to them, what's happening to them, and how they've been treated. And this 
manufactured world. And so you follow this robot uh, in escape, trying to escape the world to the outdoors. And I won't spoil it to, to, by telling you what happens at the end, but um, it produces a feeling. It produced a feeling in me when I first saw it that was very emotional because I had such a strong empathy with the central robot. The robot, everything is very simple, but the camera work in it, especially for the title sequence, it winds around this sort of mechanistic structure with the titles and, and names uh, being woven into the structure of the thing that, that the 3D camera is moving around. And the scale and the epic quality reminded me of Fritz Lang at, at some points where you have this massive, that's one of the cool things about science fiction theater, you get this massive epic scale of the small person and the huge environment they're in. And and the, the, the best thing about it is that the early days of machinima, it was hard to create because humor was the driving force behind a great deal of modern, Blabalicious is a perfect example of it although it, it's a cut above many of the other films, is because that was the easiest thing that you could do and that people could understand quickly. Well, Bot tried to do something different. It tried to, to bring a real drama that created an emotional reaction in viewers. And now we see that all the time. But in those early days, that kind of film wasn't around very much. And for that reason, when I rewatched it again, I experienced the same emotional reaction to it, which told me this is the film that I need to recommend to everyone. Uh, so that's my my pick on it. Again, they're out of the thirty, you could pick any number of them, but but bought by Digital Yoke, I think, would be well worth your time. And it was made in Unreal Tournament, I believe. Using yes, thank you for mentioning that. Yeah, as I understand it, it was also. Um, the runner-up to, uh, I think, the non-interactive section of the Make Something Unreal contest in 2005. Mm -hmm. Although I don't know exactly when this would have been made, but it, my guess would be 2003, 2004-ish, I would have thought. That's my guess, yes. Mm. It's yeah, I would venture to say, I would venture to say that, okay, 99% of the people haven't heard of it or haven't seen this film film i would say 97 percent of you maybe have never even heard of it. <laughs> it it really was one that it came and went and for a long period of time it was not available not easily available to see it, it this is pre-youtube years so it wasn't streaming anywhere or anything like that and it was it was a hard to find gem that people in the community knew about because it had gotten this attention with the award and stuff. But I mean, it, it was many years after it was made before I ever got to see it for the first time. So yeah, it's, it's going to be nice to have it available to see now. Mm, yep. you, there is one thing I will say. I, I actually think that the AI has perhaps done this a favor because although it does look a little bit dated, um, the, the story is stunning. Um, and the AI has given it really quite a contemporary feel as well and you know if you hmm. look at a lot of the aesthetics uh that you see where you've got you know animated ai um you know productions it looks very similar to that uh, and it's got that kind of feel to it so maybe it will resonate with audiences in a way that it maybe never did over the years because 
otherwise one would assume it would have been out on the on the channels there is another thing i'll say i I, i'm i think i'm correct in saying this and, and forgive me if i'm not but i understand that the composer who created the original score to this gian piero scuderi passed away last year uh, which, is, which is really sad to um, have discovered, given that this is beautiful. now being re-released. Beautiful score. It's a gorgeous score to it, yeah. Yep, yep. I, I'm going to have to admit now that this is the first time I've seen this film. And it does hold up. Because of the AI upscaling, it does not look like a film that's made a long time ago. It ah. looks like, for me, because I was watching it fresh, completely new, um, I thought it held up really nicely compared to some of the other uh, more recent films that we've discussed over the course of the show. Oh, it's good. And oh, I really enjoyed watching that. it as well. So yeah. there's a couple of others that are on the list, which I haven't seen yet ever. So I'm looking forward to diving in. And oh, that's great. That's great. Good. Although, yeah. By the way, one quick clarification. The person who came up with the idea for Machinaplex was Jason Choi, mm. uh, who has a film that he did uh, in World of Warcraft. Uh, the, which I think is your choice, Damien, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So we'll talk about him. But he came up with the original idea, and he approached me and Ingrid Moon um, to put it together, and we jumped into it. And uh, But he was the person who came up with the first idea. Wasn't it that – yeah, Ricky, wasn't it that um... – he came up with it and then it was you three. And wasn't that right around the time when he got hired by the uh, game developer? Yes. Yeah. Yes. And so then yeah. it became a thing of, well, he just didn't have time for that anymore to, right. to do it. And so you guys took it from there and then we at, took at it over. Point, yeah. At some point. Yeah. You, you brought me in to, to be part of it too. So yeah, I, I'd forgotten that it was originally, originally Jason's. I'm glad you mentioned that. Sure. Well, since we're talking about him, I might as well talk about his film. Um, Edge of Remorse by Jason Choi. Um, at the time, I'd seen lots of machinima and most of it was comedy based. So I'd laughed a lot of these films I'd seen. This was one of the first ones I ever saw that produced an emotional reaction that was not laughter. Because ah. It's not a funny film. It's a very serious emotional film. And it provoked those kind of emotions in me as I watched it. And it's made with World of Warcraft which I, it's not a game I'm that familiar with, but you don't need to be to understand the story. Absolutely. Um, there's no dialogue. Uh, Ricky, I believe you did the, the sound work for it. I designed the sound, yes. Uh, you did an excellent job with that. Thank um, you. Uh, the story is very easy to understand what's going on between the two characters and the way it edits, the sort of flashback when the, the characters were kids, and how they're adults also some of the characters switch between having armor on and some just they're just normal clothes you can still tell they're the same character sometimes with the early machinima films if a character changes their outfit they're not easy to recognize because it changes the, the outfit was the main way of doing it but with this film you, you know and i think that's, that's an important uh, distinction there but it's just so well crafted and it create it makes you feel things that a machinima film had not done before. And uh, watching it again, it brought those same feelings back that I experienced then. And some more, because obviously I've had more life experiences and I understand things better. I got even more of a emotional reaction watching it again recently. So this is going to be my pick for 
for the show. Cause, and I remember thinking back then, if Jason can make a film that makes people feel things, I want to be able to do that as well. Uh, um, yeah. And it's something to learn from and be inspired by. And yes. every time I was writing a script after watching it, I would remember this film and I hope that I was able to learn some things from Jason in my own work. A quick making of note that I'll, I'll mention on uh, Edge of Remorse is, um, so there was, there was a lot of limitations on what kinds of animations and poses that you could get characters in World of Warcraft to do within the game. Um, kind of comically limiting number of poses, in fact, that, that uh, Ricky and I used to joke about, that there's basically this and this. You know, that's <laughs> the two poses, is this. Jason was well aware of this, but he really liked the aesthetic of the game, but wanted to have animations that, like you said, Damien, that weren't going to just provoke laughter. That was a huge concern of his with this, is if I'm going to do this... It, I don't want someone laughing at this story, you know? Mm -hmm. And so the solution he ended up coming up with was there was a, a tool that was around then where you could load up one of the characters from World of Warcraft and pose them just to, to basically kind of look at the character from different angles. And I don't remember what the name of the thing was. It doesn't really matter. But it, it was still pose type stuff. So he made extensive use of that tool and compositing, which he was a master, he's a masterful compositor, just, just seamless, beautiful. And, uh, but he used that tool to get some of those, those poses that would have been next to impossible to pull off with actual gameplay. So that I, I'm pretty sure that most of this film, even though it's completely made with World of Warcraft assets and technically with World of Warcraft rendering, I don't think there's any gameplay involved with this film at all because he wanted he wanted a level of precision with what would show up on screen and where that the game just wouldn't have offered. Uh, and yet you look at it, and if you played World of Warcraft, probably most people who'd come at it from that point of view would go, how did he do this? You know, well, that's how. Uh, masterful, masterful choice that I, I don't think I saw anyone else do. Uh, they probably did after this, but he was, but I never saw anyone before him think to and, use the tools in that way to get it done it's a very no, tom Jantle kind of move you know no, but just whatever works that's what i'm going to do that's what he did here it's beautiful there's no artifacts from the compositing like sometimes you see like a black line around a character yeah. there's none of that in this film yeah, and he's I very very good at forgotten that until you said it because i was when i watched it again for this um i was just assumed he'd made it in the game i did not yeah I it's flawless yeah and hence why he won Best Visual Design at the Machinima Festival that year, uh, mm -hmm. no November 2006. Wasn't this film also in a World of Warcraft-specific contest by Blizzard as well? Because it was... Yeah, yeah, I think it was, but I can't remember which one it was. Yeah, it was an official World of Warcraft Machinima contest of some kind. And that <laughs> completely escaped me, but yes, you're right. Well, I, I owe Jason Choi a big thank you because he was the person who opened the door to Machinima for me on the original forums at Machinima.com before it became the YouTube Machinima.com. He had a forum post that said, I need, I'm looking for actors and sound people to do a Machinima. And I had uh, 
some time. And so I answered it and he was local. So we got together at a, at a deli and sat down and I liked him a lot. So we started working on what became only the strong survive. I did the sound and acted in that. And then he yeah. called me back to do edge of remorse sound for edge of remorse. Now, Jason is a, it was, and I imagine still is a very detail oriented person and a demanding director. He's not one of those people that would just let's get it done and move on to the next thing. He wanted it to be just right. So I would, and I, I had a bit of a hard time with him for a while because I thought I was really talented as a sound designer because I had done sound design for the stage, but I had never done cinematic sound design. So uh, only the strong survival was quite a learning process and I had grown quite a bit. So I would submit sound passes on certain scenes and he would say, no, that's not right. And he'd give me specific notes. And I was thinking, well, that's just crazy. That makes sense. It's perfect. But I said, he's the director, you know, so I'd go back and change it. And every single time he was right, it made the scene better. It fixed things. Um, it added more subtlety to it, uh, blending the orchestral score in a way. I learned some of the elements of, of uh, basic sound uh, mastery uh, and mixing, uh, working with Jason on that, because he already had a great sense of it. So he taught me a lot of that stuff. Maybe not necessarily the technical elements, but from a director's point of view, how to make things work better. So um, that film has a lot of meaning to me. Quite a few of those scenes were were exacting and took hours and hours and hours to get it together. But I thank him for all of that because it made the film better and it made me better as an artist. I was sorry that the machinima community lost him in a way because it very much like the brain drain that occurred. But when many major machinima talents went on to professional work in the game industry, and, Hey, I can understand that. I mean, you got to make a living and that's the best way to do it. You don't make a lot of money doing machinima if, if at all, but I was sorry to see his influence move out of machinima because he had the ability to become a towering uh, talent and influence in, in machinima. And uh, just a couple of films that he did are very, very strong and really like your pick, Jason. It's really good. I mean, uh, Damien, thank you. Incidentally, only the strong survive the the film that was pivotal in uh, uh, Ricky's story and getting his his start is also part of this collection. So, yeah, my pick is the Snow Witch, um, which was created by Britannica Dreams, originally released in oh. two thousand and six. Um, what a having, film! Yeah, having been made in the October uh, in Sims Two. Uh, and I believe both you and Phil worked on this film, actually. Ricky, I think you were on audio production, and Phil, I think, was the witch's voice, I believe. Anyway, it's a... It's a well, that's what the credits say. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sure... I think, I think, basically, Ricky pulled me in <laughs> for an effect thing. I, I don't think I'm yes. the actual voice of the voiceover but he was trying to achieve a certain effect on the witch's voice and couldn't figure it out. And between the two of us, we did. I didn't even right. realize I was credited on the film. It's a very oh, small right. part of the yes, thing. It's 99% Ricky for sure. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, okay. So for those of you that don't know this, this is a Japanese ghost story adapted from uh, Hearn's Kwaidon. 
it's the story of these two woodcutters, an old man and his young apprentice, Mino Kichi, uh, one of whom gets um, trapped in a, in a snowstorm um, uh, and they're in a forest and they take re refuge in this hut, um, during which they make a bargain, which um, later has some really serious consequences for them. It's, a, it's an absolutely beautiful fairy tale, traditional sort of fairy tale. And it, it was actually one of the most compelling machinimas that I'd seen, um, you know, up to, up to the point when um, I I actually remember this being selected for the 2007 festival in, in Europe that I, I directed. Um, the remastering, uh, it, it, yes, it brings the, the graphics up to date, but it's still a little glitchy, um, but none of that takes away from what an incredible piece of work this actually is. And I, I, the thing that I think stood out for me on this was, was the, the narration, this, this beautiful lyrical voice of Simon yeah. Taylor, who I've no idea what happened to him. I don't know what he went on and did if he, if he continued to work in acting or whatever, I've no idea. Um, but the thing that I particularly remember about it and why it's a, a particular choice for me is because it's, um it's, you know, this is this is a film that the BBC became particularly interested in, um, in in as something that demonstrated as a, as a creative form machinima, in the creative form that showed the potential of what you could do with archival material and how it might be repurposed and how a community might be brought a, brought uh, together to celebrate the archival material. Um, and it and it was one that really attracted their attention. Although I think, to my knowledge, nothing ever actually came of it in the end, which is a a real shame. Because the the one thing that I do remember seeing, um, which which we've mentioned Tom before in this episode, but but Tom Jantle took one of Chaplin's old uh, BBC films, um, uh, the Kid, uh, in fact, and created a, a machinima story with it in in a way that only Tom could. But this to me was um, one of those sort of ground marker kind of, um, you know, beautifully told machinima stories that moved away from the original kind of uh, laddish humour that you got with uh, the likes of the rooster teeth um, halo sort of stories. Um, it, it was wonderfully made. I loved it. I had a pretty good friendship going <laughs> with Michelle, particularly when uh, she was part of the machinima community. Mm. and. This is one of the films that made me pick up The Sims 2 as a machinima tool for a while. And because I'd watched it, and I thought, this is so unlike the actual game. And I wasn't really interested in telling stories that the game itself would do. I wanted to do sort of science fiction stuff, which I'm sure is no surprise to anyone that knows me. But when I saw this, and because it's so different from the, the standard modern day uh, sort of lifestyle stuff from the, from the game, that's what inspired me to pick up the game. And I talked to her a lot about um, how she did it. And she was telling me about all the mods that she found and the, you know, the mod sites existed for the game. And um, she actually found me some sort of sci-fi stuff and said, hey, check this out. And I ended up using that in, in my project. So this is one of those films that, um, like Edge of Remorse, uh, offered me a lot of inspiration uh, for my own work. And uh, I'm... I'm glad to see it back, and I watched it again. It brought back a lot of memories, 
and I was going to choose it on that ground, but Tracy, you beat me to it. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> That's fine. Yeah. Um, I still got to say that, which is the important thing. Um, so I'm glad it's here on the on, on the, the upscale and everything. And it, it looks. It, I think it still holds up. And there's some glitches with the upscaling process. It doesn't matter. It still looks great. It's still mm. a good film. And yeah. I miss uh, Michelle's creativity because she created a number of really good films. Yeah, yeah her and her and uh, the the co-director that she worked with for a number of years under that Britannica Dreams label. I, her name her name is eluding me now. I can't remember. Um, started with a letter A, I believe. Uh, but the two of them, they in this world of you know gamer humor and and I mean the kind of stuff that I was making, male restroom etiquette and stuff. I mean just sophomoric humor. These two were just undeterred making beautiful and unashamedly woman-made machinima. Mm -hmm. Like the just the most gorgeous sets and the, the, the you know just such attention to detail on costuming and hairstyling and elements that you know frankly guys are pretty much idiots about most of the time, you know. And the they were just so that the, the level of detail of, of what they would do, I, I wish that more of their work was uh, was out there. But this is, and I I hope that she would agree too, and and not be upset that I say this. This is definitely the best. They did lots of good work, but this is if you know if you if you needed to see just one film to get a sense of what Britannica Dreams and uh, Michelle, um, what they were about and what they did. This was kind of a pinnacle for them, really. Um, I think it was the right combination of, you know, this this kind of a classic story, a, a, a story that's not uh, overly sentimental, right? You know, and they're, they're yes. some of some of the other, I think some of the other subject matter that they chose was more of a traditional Western sentimentality thing which is fine there's an audience for that but this i think because of its roots in uh, uh japanese culture there there's just not that much of an element of that woven into the fabric of the story uh, to me that makes it just magical um and uh and then just visually it's it's yeah even even though the the this is one of the films that i'm i think most disappointed on how well the upscaling did there's just limits to what you know these stupid computers can do but yeah anyway yeah. nonetheless uh wonderful story and the sound is just terrific i mean it's it's it it's it's great so uh it's it's one of my all-time favorites it was extremely inspirational to me as well damien and michelle was always so generous when i would ask questions about the same thing as you trying to get the most out of the sims 2 yeah, um, yeah. Uh, she was always so polite and so responsive and uh um, I keep in touch with her and and Frank on a limited basis nowadays, and uh, they're they're still doing well. So, yeah. oh, that's great. And the yeah. uh, the co-director was uh, um, somebody called Kerry Batal. Kerry right. Batal. Kerry. Okay. Why did I think it started with a? K K K H E R A Kerry 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 K H E R I. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. That, that that rings right. Yeah. Well, you're absolutely right. It's a milestone film. And I'd like to remind listeners that when you go, 
to put your imagination back at a time in which machinima was thousands and thousands of people were interested in it and we were all inspired by somebody who took a step forward so you have all of this as phil points out this sort of humorous semi-romantic goofy kind of films made with the sims and then suddenly this film comes out and it's like a classic disney animation you know what i mean everything is flawless it's a beautiful story the the music, the narration is just perfect. And everybody was just stunned by how great this film was. And it inspired everybody because it showed you what could be done. And that's what we were all waiting for. We were waiting for the next person to show us what you could do with this game or what you could do with that game. And that was exciting. And it is still exciting today to think about that, although Machinima is in a, a different place. More so than any other film I've ever worked on as a sound designer, this one was a real creative experience for me because I had strong emotional reactions to different scenes and different environments. And I would try out literally dozens of layered sound effects to create the sound effect of snow, of certain types of winds in and outside. And it became such an obsession to me that I would dream about the, the sound, you know? So for me, working on this project was a creative act unlike simply doing a craft job. And I was really proud that uh, Michelle felt so good about the sound design and how it blended in with her. And that's what I wanted. I didn't want the sound to be, to stand out. I wanted it to be part of the, the story, that it evoked the story. And I think it did that. So it's a great choice. And, and if, if any film you want to choose out of the 30, you watch this one, it would be a great choice. It's a really, really good film. And the original uh, Quaidon series of stories by Lafcadio Hearn is a great source. I don't know why more machinima filmmakers don't draw from these sorts of sources because they're they're perfect for machinima. Mm. Yeah. So we've got a collection now uh, that's ready to go of about 30 of, of films that are of, as you can see from just our four picks there, that, that couldn't be more four completely different you know approaches to storytelling slash filmmaking uh and as you go into the collection there's there's even more variety um there uh, of every genre you can think of i think so uh i i hope that you all enjoy it we are going to put the link to that out there we're going to start promoting it um i'm going to be working on a kind of a trailer of sorts that i hope will give like a brief glimpse of all 30 films get that wow. out there but we want we want people to uh to know about these uh this is uh and it's an important part of the history of this and these can be a source of inspiration if you're someone who doesn't just like hearing about machinima but actually likes making it or aspires to make it i think a lot of the people who listen here are involved in some kind of creative production of some kind these are a great source of inspiration to see to me this is like it's like going back and listening to Led Zeppelin one <laughs> and, and remembering that at the time they had an eight track recorder and to see what Jimmy page and his engineer did with eight tracks. It's astounding in a similar sense. This is when we had a lot less to work with it was a lot more just elbow grease and skin of your teeth and 
figure something out. Um, there were no games with built-in machinima tools. There was no such thing, you know? And uh, so to me, that's it's inspirational for that reason. And I think even if you're just getting started, these could be inspirational for that reason. Um, that we're going to mention Tom Jantle again, but he he he's it's because he for so long proclaimed just how important it is to just open your mind and focus on what you want to convey and just find the way to do it. Don't listen yep. to any preset rules. Don't stay within the confines of one tool. It's like tying your hands. He's so right. He's so right. So uh, this this collection is just a really beautiful selection of films that demonstrate people who did that, who who pulled in friends with the right skills and figured out how to make their films. I don't think any of these are fully solo efforts. Um, it, it was all about people working together and leveraging the strengths of friends and and the support of each other too. Yes. So that's that's the machinima community we we remember and that we encourage uh even today uh, even though it, it looks different but that's still the principles are still the same so thanks for tuning in we'll we'll see if we uh feel like revisiting and hi highlighting a few more of these films at another time but check out the whole collection the link will be in the description or on the screen here and thanks for joining us i'm phil this is ricky tracy and damien and thanks for tuning in. See you next time. Thank you. See ya. Bye. 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 Bye.